Hello and welcome to She's Creative with me, Claire Hodgson. I chat to women and non-binary people about their careers in creative industries and for future episodes I'll be focusing on those working in media and publishing. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love it if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. It really helps boost the podcast in the charts. My guest on this episode is Victoria McNulty, who is a writer and spoken word performer. She is a stalwart of the Scottish poetry scene and performs regularly across the country and beyond. She has published two collections of poetry, Confessionals and Exiles, with speculative books. She will also be performing Extracts from Exiles on the 19th of February for the Paisley Book Festival. You can find free tickets on their website. Welcome, Victoria. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. Um, Just to start things off, I ask everyone, where did you grow up and what did your parents do for a living? Um, So I grew up in Cranhill in the east end of Glasgow. Um, I didn't live with my dad, I lived with my mum and my gran and my gran was retired and my mum worked as a radiographer. And when did you know that you wanted to be a writer? Um, I'm still not sure I know that, to be honest. <laughs> no, um, I'd never really kind of set out to be a writer. Um, I, I did other things. I worked, I went to uni, um, I worked in education and social care for a long time. Um, and writing was always something that I'd done for myself, actually. And it was through doing open mics and things like that that it kind of spiralled for me. So it was a happy accident. When did you start um, doing open mic nights? Uh, maybe about five or six years ago now. Um, I had done them before. I'd been in like bands as a teenager. And then I started reading uh, lyrics that I'd written maybe about five years ago um, at open mic nights, just for something to do, really. Mm-hmm. So did that start off um, with poetry or you said you were in a band first? Yeah, I, I think that still actually a massive influence of mine is music. Um, mm-hmm. Probably more than literature. I'm a massive music fan. But I started kind of... I mean, I I got into performing poetry a bit older. So um, I'd had a baby and I'd been living as a single mum for a few years. I hadn't been working. And there was a cafe in Glasgow called The Blue Chair where they had open mics on a Wednesday but because it was Bring Your Own Booze you could take children in. Mm -hmm. So it was my way of going and viewing and participating in live art without having to get a babysitter. (laughs) And it was was really that simple to be honest. And and watching other poets I started to think, well do you know what, I've got these things written down, I can do this. I'm going to try it. And when did you say you started doing that? About five years ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of sparked um, your your want to do that? I think, um, if I'm honest, because the life I was leading and the life of my friends and, and my background wasn't really represented in the poetry I was seeing. Um, I've seen excellent performers with great content, but they weren't talking about my life or my community or people that I knew. And I thought, you know, 
our stories are worth telling. My stories as valid as anyone else's. So it really was just that. It was to get up and say, well, this is what my experience of that is, or this is what my family's experience is, or my friends. Mm -hmm. And it was just to kind of put my, throw my hat in the ring, really, mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, talk me through the kind of, um, the topics that you, you write about. I write a lot about family. I write a lot about love and relationships and friendships. Um, a lot of political kind of poetry too, a lot of kind of socialist themes, um, a lot about like anti-military stuff, anti-imperial things, um, immigration. Uh, I write a lot of kind of about feminist themes as well, things about women's bodies and violence towards women, gender, sexuality, that kind of thing. Um, sort of, and it's always, a, probably not deliberately, but it's mostly set in East End of Glasgow. It's, it's very much from that community. Mm -hmm. And when you started performing, what kind of um, response did you get? Uh, really supportive, actually. Um, the, there was definitely a, a, a kind of grassroots feel to the poetry scene in Glasgow at the time. That was maybe because it was like post-independence referendum, post-Commonwealth Games, so there was a, a buzz about it. Um, so a, a lot of support from other writers, other poets. and. Um, to be honest, I started to get picked up for like established poetry nights quite quickly. Um and it really went very, very fast. But yeah, no definite support and um, certain individuals certainly weren't just supportive in that they would give you a platform, but you know, they helped you about the mechanisms of what it is to be a writer, how do you apply for funding, how do you pitch to a publication, like these things that you, unless you have experience of the arts, you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but people were really forthcoming to sort of help with that. How would you recommend um, people get involved in doing poetry nights? Do you just um, message the, the bars or well, what's the kind of process? Well, it's really difficult at the moment because we've got the whole COVID situation going on. So my experience of just showing up and reading something is not necessarily what someone starting out would have now. Um, but there are a lot of kind of open mic nights online. Um, so yeah, I would just message and say, I, I, I want a three minute slot. Just try it, watch other poets, um, read poetry, and just be present. And not always go to nights just to perform. Sometimes just go to watch other people and take notes in your head and just make, get a solid three minutes or what you're happy with and then just, yeah, put yourself forward. What would you say that your uh, writing process was like at the start when, when you start performing? <laughs> oh, do you know, I, I just wrote about, I just wrote everything, everything. It was like brain farts on the page. <laughs> um, uh, but I, you know, I did like English at school, um, so I did kind of like structure it as poems. I was mindful of rhythm and like poetic kind of tools and things like that. But I maybe didn't have the self-editing that I have now. I've, I've learned that as I've kind of got on, that not everything you think is like important enough to say, you know. Um, so yeah, just getting it down and 
because I'm a performance poet as well, quite often part of that process of editing a finishing piece was to perform it again and again. You'd see how the crowd react, you'd see how the words fell into the audience and you'd be like, just take that out. Or that sentence is really good, I want to stop after it or I want to add emphasis there. So it was just practice and just combing over things. You said that uh, you start getting invited to more established uh, nights. How is that process different to open mic nights? There's sort of less, to me anyway, there's less room for error. error. If, if your name's on the bill and you are part of a group of artists that are charging people to come in, what you put forward has to be finished to an extent. Whereas mm -hmm. open, open nights is the starting point for that. Um, that's how you, you get to the stage where what you have is the kind of rounded sort of set. Um, but also, I, I think, I don't want to say the standard of writing, because that's not true, but the overall standard of what you watch is higher because everybody has already been through that practice in an editing process to, to be on that established mm -hmm. night. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And um, in terms of, you're saying they charge for people for entry, um, do you have any tips on how people would negotiate um, fees and payment and that kind of thing? It's quite difficult because there's a, a Scottish Book Trust standard fee um, and, and anybody who's starting out to perform, I think it's quite good to go on their website actually and kind of familiarise themselves with what they suggest. But if I'm honest, really, it's quite rare to get paid it. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it it's... Um, I think being realistic, you know, if you're going to a grassroots night that's charging £3 in the door, you're not taking £165 home, <laughs> do you know? So it's kind of bearing that in mind. But if you want to be paid, I wouldn't gig for free, unless it was an open mic or a community or fundraising thing that you wanted to be involved in. Um, if you want to be paid, then you have to say, look, I want to be paid and just kind of maybe negotiate the fee before you start. Mm -hmm. um, uh, see what is the invoice process what is the fee and then you can decide whether that is acceptable for you does that make sense yeah um, because quite often um, I've had experiences where when I started out where you would negotiate a fee at the end even if it was something just like getting your travel re reimbursed and you would wait months to get it back and you're like no get the paperwork in talk mm -hmm. first <laughs> yeah um and you were saying as well you got tips from other artists about how to apply for different um yeah. different funds can you describe some of the different um processes that you have to go through or different things that are available well i, I think in scotland really the kind of main funders creative scotland mm -hmm. um, for they have a, an open project fund whatever it's called now i think they've changed the name but not it's the same thing really which seems to be the main place to go for big projects so so i went to that to fund a tour um and it, it was it was quite an arduous process but when you're ready to do it it is something a lot of artists are feel discouraged by the application process. They they don't want to put it in because it takes so much work and they know that people get rejected. 
Um, but really, if you want to do something big and you want to do something that pushes you creatively, you need funds. So I would say the process for that is becoming aware of it. Phoning Creative Scotland, what do I need to do this? You know, what do you want me to put in the form? Because it's not always clear. If you've got other writers who are friends, can I see the form that you sent away? Um, can you read it for me? And just try and get as much support as you can and always reapply. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people think if they don't get it once, they're not going to get it. Just phone them up, ask, why did you not give me it? And then try again. But there's also there's, there's smaller community funds and things as well for people who are doing community arts. Um, there's loads of sort of great mentoring opportunities through the likes of the Scottish Book Trust or the Scottish Poetry Library and things. So it's just keeping an eye on social media. And if you think that something is for you, just apply for it. And sooner or later, you might get it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of my tip. It's just try. Be brazen. What was your um your tour like? It, it was really good. It, it, do you know what? It, it was just exciting for me, to be honest, because I never expected in a million years to be doing something like that. So I think it was five or six dates um, across the UK and Ireland. Um, myself and Abby Normal uh, took confessionals, which was directed and produced by Sonic Youth um, across Scotland and down to London and over to Ireland. And it was just... It was just great. It was great being able to do it. I I love seeing different cities. I I love talking to different audiences and and sharing experiences with them. So, yeah, it was great. It was a great experience. Is there any kind of um, administrative advice that you would give to people who want to do a similar kind of thing? Yeah, actually, find a space to work um, that, if you can, is not your house and certainly not your bedroom if it's possible and I know that's a really privileged thing to say but even if it's just going to a coffee shop just do it um, and I would say uh, decide what hours you're prepared to work if you want to put 15 hours a week into this if you've got a second job only do the 15 hours if possible because what I found was I was writing into the night I was answering emails that were coming in in the night I, I, and all of a sudden it became all consuming so I, I think just work out what needs to be done prioritize and then the rest can wait or you'll become somebody that's completely consumed with small tasks actually mm-hmm. how did you um first start getting published in different places uh, I think the first place I was published was there used to be a, a fanzine in Glasgow called The High Flight, which a lot of the people involved in that are now speculative books. So they used to run like a kind of night where you would get the fanzine on the door and a couple of artists in the fanzine were performing. Um, so I started getting published there and because of that, that kind of led to me being published in a couple of other anthologies and things. Um, and then when confessionals came to be published, I think speculative books were beginning to form and they were looking for something. And I had a, a, a manuscript there, to be honest, that had already been tried out on stage and things like that. So it, to me, it, it was serendipity. And actually, I, I, 
I don't have like advice for anybody who's wanting to go for big publishers or you know submit full manuscripts and things because it's not something that I've had much success with but that's okay I, I think it depends what kind of artist you want to be mm-hmm. for me and for me having a hundred quality pamphlets that I could sell at performances was it was useful it's what I needed it wasn't what I didn't aspire to much more and can you talk me through um what confessionals is about um confessionals is about domestic violence and kind of underlying sort of misogyny within kind of football culture in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few different themes of themes of poverty, kind of Irish heritage, addiction and things in it as well. But it, it's fundamentally about the experience of women and working men's pubs and going to games and, you know, that voice. Yeah, that definitely sounds like something that's not really spoken about that much and you know especially in somewhere like Glasgow where football culture is so massive you know I I feel like um, women's experiences with it aren't really spoken about as much. No absolutely and I I think that there's a double-edged sword there that there's a, a classism that means that creating art or writing about football is considered low art so a lot of people don't do it and then there's the added kind of gender bias of, you know, women within the kind of football culture in Glasgow are already on the back foot in fe- as far as getting their voices heard in a lot of cases as well. So, no, it was something I really wanted to write about, to be honest. And what was, um, what, what were people, people's responses like to that? It, it was really well received, actually. Um, I started to get people coming to see confessionals that had never been to poetry gigs in their life. They didn't like poetry. They'd maybe just heard from a friend of a friend, oh, this is good, and they would come along. Sometimes you'd get people who maybe hadn't been to the theatre since panto season, you know, and um, that that was really humbling for me um, because... That's 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 who I was writing to. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. That yeah. So that that that's my memory of that. That I created this thing just out of my own annoyance. But then the similar experiences seem to be shared with so many people who viewed it, and um, that was really powerful. Do you feel like there's a lack of uh, representation for? Um, working class people in the kind of spoken word and poetry scene? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that we absolutely pathologize working class pain in the art scene in Scotland. And by the way, that's not to decry anybody who's writing about these big issues of poverty or addiction, they're important, but it's almost like that is the only platform we're prepared to give for working class writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and that, I think that's wrong because actually working class culture is rich, communities are supportive, so there's a whole spectrum of that. Uh, but I actually think there's like a, a representation issue, a more intersectional 
issue actually. It's not just class. Um, it's getting better, but still, you, you, you don't see many people of colour performing spoken word in Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, you know, very much, you might see nights that are specifically LGBTQ focused, but they're not necessarily mixed with those big bills, you know, and, and so there's a lot of work to be done and it's not just about class, I think. Definitely. Are there any venues or specific um, places across Scotland, obviously when COVID's not a thing, um, that you would recommend people do uh, spoken word at? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that if it starts back up, you should go and watch the spoken word in deep in the West End. Take part in that if you so desire, but at least see it. It's a really, it's almost kind of legendary in Glasgow. It's a full night. It's quite ruckus. It's a good thing to see. Um, and again, Noiriki as well. They, I mean, they don't just do spoken word, but they take that really high caliber art sort of aspect of it and it getting a ticket to one of their shows is worth seeing because it, it shows you the the spectrum of what you can do with spoken word as well um venue wise which i think where i really liked to perform the poetry club's really good the best places that i like to perform most in pubs i like to perform with bands where people don't want to watch poets at Alvey, a wee bit of a, I like the challenge of that, so like if I think of the best gigs I've done it's been in maybe like Nice and Sleazy's or something, more than like a, a theatre venue or something like that. Yeah, that's great. When and you published Confessionals in 2017 with Speculative Books, can you just talk me through how that kind of, that deal works? To be honest, when I published Confessionals of Speculative Books, um, I didn't know what I was doing and neither did they. So it, it was a case of, will you publish my book? I'll publish your book. <laughs> and like a chat in the pub and all of a sudden it was done. Mm -hmm. um, which is probably, I mean, luckily, um, I found Speculative Books are, are trustworthy people, but it's probably not the best way to go about conducting your artistic business. <laughs> um, so certainly uh, for Exiles, things were a wee bit differently when I republished with them. I would want a contract, um, discuss if there's an advanced payment there, make sure that you know exactly what, you, what your role in it is going to be and what they're going to give or offer you as well. And again, that, that'll change for other artists. Some people will want different percentages of sales. Some people will want more promotional support. But you have to have that conversation first. Mm -hmm. And where do you, do you sell the books yourself? Or are they sold in specific places? What's the setup with that? I think my books are sold on Speculative Books website. Um, when confessionals came out, I, I, I literally just took them to gigs. I took them all over the country and sold them. And that, they sold stuff on their website too, but not in the same scale. I mean, you're talking every week, taking bags of books, places and punting them to everybody that watched you, which is, again, not possible during coronavirus. So at the moment, um, my second book that came out through them is on their website. As well, you do a lot of 
performance art, obviously. Um, what kind of advice would you give to people that are getting up on stage and, and doing spoken word? Like there obviously must be quite a lot of nerves at the start, you know, are, is there, are there any tips you can give to people? Yeah, um, nerves are good. Like don't, don't get nervous about being nervous. <laughs> it seems like an obvious thing to say, but you know, you can use those nerves to then drive your performance forward. Um, I still get nervous every time, but I'm, I'm able to recognise what it is now and just use it. Rehearse, rehearse until you're sick of your own voice. Um, I think a lot, especially a lot of young kind of performers starting out, they, they, they don't seem to rehearse or they'll read off their phone or whatever. If you, if you need to read, print it on a nice bit of paper, keep it in a book, use that as part of your performance. Try and sit and think, if I was watching somebody, what would I like to see? And I think that's a really good way to sort of then put that into your own performance. Well, I would like to see somebody using props or I would like to see somebody who was polished or animated or, or, more, or more thoughtful and then... Also, just watch other performers because I, I, I nepotize what I like from everybody I see. You know, I just take from other spoken word performers to what Liam Gallagher or something. I just, if I see it, I think I'll put that in. That works. That's kind of just be crafty. Do you find that it's quite welcoming? Is it ever, you know, are the crowds ever rowdy or that kind of thing? <laughs> No, I don't see to be honest, I've yet to do a poetry night where I could say the crowd was rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, they are welcoming and, and they are, because um, these are people who are engaged with literature and they're engaged with, you know, listening to people reading written words. So they're prepared for it. So they do, they do listen and they are supportive. More rowdy maybe if you're supporting a folk band um, or, you know, like a crowd that's not used to seeing spoken word and that's kind of where the challenge is and you have to just pretend that you're confident and pretend that you're the best thing in the world. They're not going to see a better poet than you. Certainly not that night because you're the only one on the stage. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And just go for it because that's where it gets hard. You were saying that you... Um you know, take bits from what other poets do and things like that. Are there any other artists that you would recommend uh, people look into or watch their stuff or anything like that? Yeah, there's loads. Um, I really like Selena Gordon um, because, she, I mean, she's a great writer, but she also makes really good visuals. Like if you if you watch her, kind of, she's done a, a great thing at the beginning of lockdown, I saw Goody Proctor jogging without a mask. She was kind of dressed like she was in the crucible and things, and I thought that it was more than just words. So Selena Gordon's great. Um, in Scotland, I, I really like Kevin Goldie. Um, I, can't, I like his stage persona. It's almost, um, it's almost aggressive. It works to me. Um, I like Loki as well. I actually really like performance artists that sort of make me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would recommend them. But there, there's loads and loads of good people around doing um, great things as well. Lots of, 
people doing things through apples and snakes and things down in England too that are worth kind of watching. Are there any groups that people should be getting involved in or like Facebook groups or anything like that? Yeah, uh, do you know, I, I actually recently done a gig for a London open mic called Off The Chest um, that I think would be kind of worth if you were starting out having a look at. Um, there is on Facebook, I, I'm actually not on Facebook so I'm punting something I don't even have access to, but there is like a poetry and spoken word in Scotland Facebook page that's kind of worth adding yourself to so you can see what's coming up. Um, I would, you know, start following Nymphs and Thugs. They're like a spoken word record label down south. I would, you know, if you've got money for subscription, maybe subscribe to speculative books, at least attend their book launches to see what's around. Um, Sonnet Youth are now on a Patreon as well and actually high quality spoken word. So yeah, I... There is stuff out there to first watch, see who's around and then get the feelers for what you want to do when the pubs open back up. That's yeah. amazing. And um, in terms of balancing writing and performing alongside other things, what advice would you give for people who are starting out and really want to throw themselves into writing and performing, but obviously, you know, they've still got the bills to pay? It's not everybody's experience, Claire, but it's my experience that you might never fully pay the bills through performance poetry. Um, and so I, I think that's actually quite a good way, place to start, you know, that it, it, it's not your life and it, it's something that you're doing because you want to. Um, and and that, that then right away becomes the balance. You know, you, you've got this thing that you're doing that you have to do to pay the bills and this thing that you're doing because you love it. And then when you love it, it makes it easier to make sacrifices or slot it in. Um, but yeah, I would just prioritise. Don't say yes to everything. I think when you start out, you feel like you're... I mean, I was always just flattered to be asked. So I, I went. But sometimes I was like gigging three nights a week and, you know, I had a kid at home and I had a full-time job and it was just not ideal. Um, so, yeah, say no if it doesn't fit in with what you need or it, it's not the kind of art you want to make or whatever and just accept that there will be times where you're not going to make money from it, you're going to have to take a second job and that's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You published Exiles. Can you just talk me through what Exiles is about? Yeah. Um, so Exiles, it's about Glasgow and it's about couple in Glasgow in the kind of aftermath of the Iraq war but it's drawing on these kind of the gentrification of Glasgow and the kind of almost state violence that's involved in gentrification and um, poverty and how that then fuels kind of military involvement overseas Um, and that's kind of what it's about and it's a mix of like personal essays, historical accounts and poetry to kind of bring that story together. Mm -hmm. And how have you found uh, the response to that so far? Yeah, I think the response has been good. But it's very difficult because it was launched, but it was launched online. So the the launch was done. The discussion you would have after it is gone. 
you know, I haven't um, been able to perform big bits of it the way I would have ordinarily had, so I don't know how people received it. But from what I gather, people have been really kind and when they've bought it, they've been sharing on social media, this is really good, get a hold of this. Um, so certainly people who have it have been happy with it. But it feels a bit out there in the ether just now. It's a very weird time to be releasing anything. I was reading some of it earlier and um, I really, I really like how it kind of encapsulates you know everything about Glasgow and all the different layers Glasgow has. Um, do you think the city itself is something that inspires your work? Oh absolutely, absolutely and I wouldn't say that I wouldn't be able to write anywhere else because that's not true um, but I, I love Glasgow and I love, I love the East End of Glasgow to be honest. I, I love of the history of it and the character of it and the kind of cultural background of it and you know people talk about having artistic muses well I, I think maybe maybe the Gallagate's mine I don't have a person I've got four pubs <laughs> you know so absolutely it's my main inspiration actually yeah that's brilliant um and in terms of if people are looking to um pitch things to different publications or magazines or um, whatever, what kind of um, experience do you have of that and do you have any advice? My main experience of it is just be prepared for repeated rejection <laughs> like that for just be aware that you know what you're sending in the, there's going to be thousands of people sending in quality stuff so I, I almost if I'm pitching to somebody just approach it with a, I'm not going to get that <laughs> so then if I do it, it's a, a happy bonus. Um, I would also say if you're going to, before you pitch to anybody, make sure it actually fits. You know, don't don't just go, I've got four poems here, I'll, I'll punt them off. Try and, and write for that publication if you can. Um, read what they print, print as well. Make sure that your style is what they look for before you do it. Even just to save yourself time, actually, instead of you know, working on stuff that's not going to, you know, hit the mark. Um, and I think, I know that Gutter recently have done like a, I, I didn't attend it, I probably should have, but Gutter did a, as part of Scottish Book Week, tips about pitching to magazines and things. I would certainly, if anything like that comes up, go to it. If there's any guides online, read it, because it's, it's not as straightforward as you think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Are there any specific publications that you can think of that um, regularly publish poetry? Yeah, um, Nutmeg regularly publishes football poetry um, as part of their, um, I don't think it's quarterly, I think it's more than that, but it's a proper high quality publication. So if, if football's your thing, it's definitely worth, worth contacting them. Um, Gutter, again, it's a total literary magazine. It's based in Glasgow. They publish a lot of very good poetry. Um, there's other things like, I don't know, Dark Horse and things that publish a lot, but if I'm honest, I don't really read them. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not to decry it, but it's not where I get my, 
my phone's from, to be honest. So, yeah. I'm trying to be diplomatic, but if I'm honest, I'm not really that bothered about, like, getting published in these mm -hmm. things. Because um, it doesn't impact my work or, or what I'm trying to make. So, again, it's about knowing where you fit and knowing... If you want to be a page poet, then you need to start sending out publication. But for me, I was like... I okay, <laughs> you know, it's not. Do you think you're more drawn to the spoken word aspect of it? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm primarily a performer. Um, I, I think that's that's what I like to do, that's what drew me to it. Um, but I also like the accessibility of spoken word as well. Um, I love reading page poetry, I, I, I love, I loved, I've loved it for years, but because you can mull over a page poem and you can go back to it and every time you go back to it you see something else but a performance is a different toolkit you know you can you can switch on an emotion in an audience like a tap if you know what you're doing you see performers do it all the time and that's what I want to be part of more than just writing to send away to other people mm -hmm. and uh, just to finish things off what what would be your your best general advice for someone that wants to follow a similar trajectory as yourself? I think just be what you are, you know, just make what you want to make and say what you want to say, you know, and, and don't be scared of that. Because I, I, always, I always have a bit of cynicism about people who set out in the arts to, to do a specific thing. There's many, many paths that you can take and there's many, many outcomes. Um, but if you've got your eyes set on the prize, then you mould yourself to fit it. It doesn't necessarily make good art and it doesn't make you happy doing it. So yeah, just work on what you want to work with. Find other artists that you admire, work with them, share ideas with people who inspire you. If you're not accepted by the kind of mainstream or the established sort of wrongs then create your own you know you're you're only looking to get your work out there just don't be too worried about you know getting on the bbc social or something like that just be yourself first and the rest will come that was writer and spoken word performer victoria mcnulty you can find her on Twitter at vmcnulty67, where you can also find a link to tickets for her Paisley Book Festival performance on the 19th of February. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support the podcast, you can give a small donation on coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash she's creative pod. You can find the podcast on social media at She's Creative Pod and I'm on social media at underscore Claire Hutch. See you next time.